podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trav Downey and this is Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of your friend and mine, Mr. Jan Malby. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. Believe it or not, we played three games since we last spoke and uh, three nice wins. It's been an interesting run of fixtures since we last spoke. And, you know, we were hopeful that we'd be able to report back on the Reds keeping the results going, and they certainly have. Um, I'd like to say it's been a sort of a mixed bag, but it really hasn't because at this stage of the season, well, I guess results are all that matters, Jan, and we're going to pick up injuries and stuff like that. So it probably doesn't do to moan too much. We have a chance to go top of the league very soon and leave the pressure on Arsenal to have to go and compete in a difficult fixture to retain it. That's a wonderful situation to be in at this stage of the season in the rebuild, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And you're, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, that is a monster game. They've got Saturday Arsenal away at Villa. Uh, it's it's one thing Villa, we're doing this podcast on a Thursday night, it's one thing Villa beating City on the Wednesday, but it was the Manning was the beat City. That was so impressive, you know. 22 shots to City's two. City didn't have a single corner. I mean, Villa were ever so impressive. So that's a difficult... But, but ours is also a difficult one because of the way that the Crystal Palace play. They never have too many ambitions. Uh, they'll be quite happy just to sit in and be tight, although they're not having the best of seasons. And I think the fans are slowly turning on Roy Hodgson again. I mean, it's 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 a bizarre thing. It's just kind of like... I don't know. Are we meant to talk about this, Trevor? Anyway, I'll mention it anyway. It's, it's kind of a bizarre thing, isn't that? New manager that you also, I think, have to have the ability to almost look into the future. So what's going to happen with Roy Hodgson? He'll come in and for six months, everybody will go, wow, this is exactly what... And then always look what happens beyond, isn't it? You know what I mean? Then, oh my word, it, it, it doesn't change, does it? Because that's, you know, so it's, I, I, just, I find it amazing that the Crystal Palace fans are now going, oh, this is not going the way we thought. Well, it always does. You know, that, that's how Roy manages, you know. It's, it's like that in the first day. Day 100 in a job, and if he manages to stay for that long, it's the same in day 500, you know what I mean? So I just, I just don't get it. So anyway, sorry about that, Trevor. I'm glad you went there because there is a sort of a mythos around that chap that um, the older he gets, the more his friends in the uh, broadsheet newspapers like to lionise him. And listen, it's not about 
digging the guy out. It's just if you can't see the pattern, I, I, I can't help you at this stage. That's I'd, I'd be in total agreement with you on that. You know, it's very interesting, man. We should just address it here now because I don't know if I want to talk about it later on. Um, is you picked up on the fact that form-wise, if not in terms of the structure and the goings-on behind the scenes, form-wise, United, you said, and I quote you on the last show, are on a bit of a tear. It's looking like you're very right there. It's another good result they've had. Let me say, I I don't know what it is, Trevor. I I don't know what it is, but for as much as as we're all quick to jump on their back, the three points behind Manchester City. You know, and it's it's kind of the only real thing we have. It's the league table, isn't it? It's the one thing that doesn't lie. Well, the fact that the, the sixth in the league, three points Manchester City, isn't it? And I just, I, I don't know. And I also think he's got to the stage now where Eric Salah, I'm talking about, which also I have to say that I'm convinced that Eric Salah will never win the Premier League with, with, with Manchester United. I don't think he's good enough to, to do that. But I think he might be good enough to do what, and I think he's now reaching the level where he knows who the rotten eggs are, you know, who the bad apples are, you know what I mean? And he's probably going to move them aside a little bit and then they're probably going to end up with a, with a, with a group of quite enthusiastic footballers who's, who's, going, to, who's going to give it a real go. I, I think they're real outsiders for the report, so I think they're real outsiders for the top four. You just asked me six weeks, uh, you asked other people six weeks ago, they go, no, they're going nowhere and the man will be sacked. You know, and I also think that things will change when Sir Jim Ratcliffe comes in uh, and I don't think the manager is his priority. I think there's other things behind the scenes that'll be his priority and putting in a structure in place uh, that might benefit a professional organisation and a, a sporting organisation. So, yeah, maybe, 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 they're, maybe they're about to make a comeback onto the big scene. And why shouldn't they? I mean, they've, they've been in the doldrums for 10 years, haven't they, Trevor? <laughs> yeah, long may continue. Do you think there's a thing there... Um... A cultural thing there, or is it just is it just symptomatic of a, a big club um, filled with players on high money? Because I know this sort of poison existed in the Chelsea um, dressing room, and I saw a thing, Jan. It was it was so revealing. Uh, three articles, one after the other. First one, Ten Hag has lost the dressing room, right? Standard. Next one was Salzgar when Salzgar lost the dressing room. Next one was when Van Hal lost the dressing room. When Mourinho lost the dressing room. It was actually four, and it makes you ask a simple question, which is why do these renowned managers keep losing the dressing room? In the case of Mourinho, we'll take him out because he loses every dressing room eventually. Um, when he decides to turn on everyone, that's just his MO. But all these other guys, it's, is it them or is it the some sort of, of, like I say, poisonous culture in terms of entitlement or something that's going on there that needs some sort of strong overseeing that none of these guys have been able to do. What do you think that speaks to? The fact that we've seen this headline, this talk about losing the dressing room with successive coaches now. Yeah, it's it's remarkable, isn't it? And, and there is a poison atmosphere. There can be no doubt about that. But it is remarkable that such an average average group of footballers has been allowed to lose so many managers their jobs uh, and the, the one thing that instantly strikes me Trevor is that so we had the stories after the Newcastle game and yes they didn't play particularly well at Newcastle and then we're hearing about Marcus Rashford and Anton Martial being unhappy with certain things well I heard the same thing with all of them 
Rashford and Martial are not mm. happy. I heard the same thing with Louis van Gaal. You know, so I'm thinking, yeah, okay, here we go again. You know, we train too hard. We don't train the way I want to train. I mean, sure, Alex Ferguson said it before he retired. He said, one thing Manchester United got to be aware of is that because football was moving on, wasn't there was more power to the players. He said, we've got to be careful that because we're a real institution, a bit like Liverpool. He said, the moment that Manchester United becomes about the players deciding when do we train, how hard do we play, how do we play, he said, then we're in trouble. And that's exactly what we watched for 10 years. You never hear any Liverpool players talking about how hard they train. But believe me, Trevor, they train like fuck. None of them ever won, do they? Because Klopp goes, what's the big problem? That's what I want. You know, if not, we'll find a door. So maybe this owner will go in and go, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to continue to back the manager 100% in, in terms of getting some discipline to the football club and people who want to run around on Saturday. And all the ones, Marcus Rashford or whoever you are, come in my office and we'll find you somewhere else to play. But this can't go on. You, and I think you can't take over Manchester United and go, OK, I'll tell you what's wrong. The manager. Because that's not what's wrong, is it? There's something else wrong. And I think, you know, Ratcliffe and, and, and the boy from, from the cycling, uh, Brailsford, I, I think they might, whether they get it right, I don't know. But I think they might be honest on that. I think they, they'll get the feeling that the manager is, is, is not our problem. We've got other problems. Uh, I mean, one of one is the fucking leaking roof, isn't it? But I mean, apart from that. Uh... <laughs> Do you think... Can you imagine if... that, Trevor? Your football team being average, yeah? And then when it rains, you get this wet. You wouldn't it's be average. It's pissing down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, just one last one on this. If Do you think... Say say your theory is right, and I think... I think there's a lot to it, um, and it would make sense, right? That you, you, you've got to, they've got to start somewhere and back the coach or whatever. Is this guy the, the guy to oversee a new era of success at United? Because track record would would nah, look, it's it's not adequate really to to make any judgment on. I don't think I think that's fair to say uh, that it's, it's such a big task that we're talking about here now which is to put United back on top of clubs that have gained a, a serious advantage over them over time um, would you see this guy it, it, do you like the cut of Ten Hag's jib in terms of uh, maybe he might be the one who could put a team together here if you could get rid of whatever poisonous element there is assuming this is the narrative we're going with yeah, well, it is an average, but I don't believe he's the right man. So I've seen enough. I've seen enough from him okay. to suggest that he won't be the right man. But I do think he might be the right man to do a job. Uh, and, and the job to be done at Manchester United is to get into the Champions League. Manchester United are, are equally squeezed through financial fair play, so they need, need to be in the Champions League. So I think he can do that. And I also think he's quite prepared. He, he, he's, a tough, he's a tough customer. And I think he's quite prepared to take, take those battles. I mean... He took on Ronaldo and he, and he won that one. He's, he's now taken on Rafa Varane, who he's left out, and it doesn't matter how many problems he's got a centre-half, he doesn't play. He's now took on Rashford, hasn't he, really, because he's, he's dragged him against Newcastle and put him on the bench against Chelsea. Uh, Casemiro, when he returns from injury, I, I assume he will, he will go to war with him. So I think, he's quite, I think he's quite a good guy in terms of that. But in terms of how they play, you, you, he's been there for 17 months now and you can't be there for 17 months without giving the team an identity I'm not having that uh, football today is about press isn't it it's about the ability to press when you don't have the ball and it's about the ability to play through the opposition's press when you have the ball 
Manchester United can't really do either. And I find that amazing after 17 months. So, no. Uh, I think he's... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. In, in, in terms of a lot of things that have been done away from the training ground, I think he's very good. I'm, I'm, I'm just not convinced he's good enough on the training ground. And I don't think he'll be the one. If they ever return, I mean, we know ourselves sort of how long it took. It can take a long time before you get anywhere near it again. doesn't matter how big you are. Uh, but I don't think Eric Tegart long-term uh, will, will, will be the right guy. Uh, but I don't think he's about to be sacked either. Uh, and then... And, and, we're always slightly worried, aren't we, Trevor, when, when you think, oh, United about to sack a manager uh, who will never get them back. All you wanted to do, I keep saying, Manchester United just wanted to do okay, you know, so they don't get the idea that we want to sack him and maybe go and get. If I was to sack Elton Ark today, I would break the bank and go and get Villa's manager, Unai Emery. I know everybody talks about Roberto De Serbi at Brighton or whatever, but I just think Unai Emery is just proven, isn't he? You know, he was never given a chance at Arsenal. I just think he's proven. That's where I would go with all my money. But I, he wouldn't go there because he's going to go, oh, oh, oh. no, 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 no. I'm mm-hmm. not going to clear up this mess, you know what I mean, and take all these individual battles with individual battles with superstars who still got an incredible backing from fans, from, from naive fans. I mean, that's the great thing. We don't have a Liverpool travel. We're very, very fortunate in that we don't have Liverpool players who support players. They support the club. And who's in charge of the club is Jurgen Klopp, so they support Jurgen Klopp's decision. But other clubs have fans. There'll be 25% of Manchester United's fans who support Marcus Rashford, even to this very day. Even after against Chelsea, when they beat him 2-1, and for the first five to 45 minutes, they played the best game of the season. Yeah, Even after that, they'd gone... We'd have been even better with Rashford. You know, we don't have that, Trevor. We are so lucky that we don't allow that at Liverpool, you know, where, where individual players who's on their way out. I mean, the best example during Klopp's time, and it was really the only example, was Mamadou Sacco, wasn't it? When, when Klopp came in uh, and there was a bit of a fall out, there were certain things Klopp was unhappy. And he was quite a cult, Sacco. People quite liked him, didn't they? But when Klopp went, sorry, boy, you're finished there. It was never a murmur, was it? There was never a murmur. Even when he sat on the bench, he, even when others like Lucas played centre-half because Klopp wouldn't go back to Mamadou Sacco. So we're very fortunate to have him. Yeah, the famous uh, no dickhead policy has worked very much in our favour, we'd have to say. And I think there might be a version of events where what you're talking about there could happen. You could see Ten Hag doing all the heavy lifting, clearing out all the dead wood, being allowed time to do that. And perhaps Unai Emery flushed from success with Aston Villa 
may be able to come in after all that kind of nastiness is out of the way. Perhaps that could happen. It's going to be an interesting one to watch. But to switch matters back towards uh, Liverpool, let's start with a slightly controversial thing before we get into the games, because that's going to form the majority of our chat looking back on the ones we've had and ahead to the ones that are coming up. But you'll have seen, or maybe you didn't see, uh, the the very awkward bristly TV interview the club did post match, um, where the lad made the mistake of referring to the twelve thirty kickoff as your favourite fixture in a kind of throwaway fashion. Did you see this one, Jan? Before I mm. go on, explain that you yeah, did see Marcus Buck, Marcus Buckland, Marcus Buckland, right? So. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff on it and I, I watched the thing itself just so that I had a, a definitive take on it. And I, I, some people say that there's a bit of previous there between Buckland and, and things. So I don't know anything about that. So I can't comment on that. But I thought it seemed harmless enough on the night. Um, and I understand both perspectives here. A lot of people say, look, Jurgen Klopp has tried to stand up for players' welfare and it's been always misinterpreted as selfish looking out for Liverpool only stuff. Um we saw it recently with the VAR crack. Um and you know Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week so make sure you listen to everything we're doing on epl index and follow us there on twitter at epl index thank you bye-bye people are, are liverpool fans are justly annoyed that it's not being taken on its merits as a good point in terms of player welfare uh, and then you just see it in in the context and you'd like perhaps him to have had a little bit more humor about him with it. He seemed excessively prickly. It looked, he didn't come out of it very well, I didn't think, Jurgen. And um, much and all as I might agree with him being pissed off about it as a concept, much and all as I might agree with him saying it's not a funny thing to joke about. Um, you'd like to see him roll with the punches a bit better or perhaps maybe by reacting like that, he's drawing attention to the fact of making it serious. All I would say is most of the press for Jurgen has been pretty negative on the back of it, which is unfortunate because he is making a good point at the back of it. What was your take on all of that? Because, you know, there is a serious chat to be had there somewhere. Yeah, well, I, I do agree a little bit with you. Uh, it, it, there and then probably wasn't the time to have that chat. But there and then probably wasn't the, the time to ask that question in the manner that he did. But I just felt that when that question was asked of Jürgen, there were so many different avenues he could have gone down that would make him, him look okay, isn't it? Mm. You know, there were so many things he could have said uh, in, 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 instead of, you know, almost like second-guessing that the presenter thinks it's quite funny, uh, which, which I'm sure he doesn't. Uh, so, yeah, he was a little bit prickly, isn't it? But it can't be easy, can it, Trevor? No. It, 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 it can't be easy... Uh, 
And also when you come out and you and you know you go down the line or doing uh, the interviews after the game and, and, and also we're we're the part of the sort of foreign overseas broadcasters, isn't it? And, you know, sometimes you will get overseas broadcasters whose English isn't very good. And some of the questions that they ask, you 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 must sometimes as a manager despair and go, Christ almighty, you know. I mean I mean the boy I worked with the other week when we did Manchester City and interviewed Pep Guardiola after and he asked him a stupid question. <laughs> My boy, yeah, from Denver TV. And Pep Guardiola went, That's a very good question. He said, But I can tell you've never played football. So <laughs> every time there's something we play that clip all the time where Pep just goes, Oh, I can see you've never played football. <laughs> you know? So it, it is difficult, Trevor. It is difficult. But but I I just think that it was quite an easy question just to get rid of. But it's obviously something, isn't it? You know, I know what these guys are like. You know, we had a manager called Kenny Douglas. Don't get something in your head. It just doesn't leave your head, isn't it? And he's deeply unhappy about these 12-30 kickoffs. Uh, whether he got slightly confused, because if you play a European game on a Wednesday, and the kickoff time is eight o'clock. You can't play the early kickoff on a, on a on a Saturday, but it's not the same when it's midweek Premier League games. They don't have that ruling. Really. Uh, so 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 whether Klopp was thinking they're doing a return here again, but I've often discussed Trevor. You know, I I get sent the viewing figures once a week. Uh, if you're gonna have a twelve thirty kickoff in the Premier League, there's only one club who brings in the punters. You know, and that is just a matter of fact. So people need to get used to it because apparently TNT have the rights to the 12.30 kickoffs yeah. for the rest of the season. And guess who they're going to pick? Because, yeah. and, and look, it, it's a sign, and we've said it before, it's a sign that at least the club is in the, as uh, Brendan used to say, in the conversation uh, for trophies, which, I mean, we, we'll take that over anything else. And yeah, it's funny you mentioned Kenny there. I mean, you know that the, I, I grew up idolizing that lad from being a like from a, a young child, whenever I was four or five, when I saw the first pictures of Liverpool on the TV. And um, do you know, once you kind of imprint on someone as your hero, that's it. And sure, he's done the lot. But when he came back that second time, and I, I'd love to get your take on this, when he came back that second time to bail the club out, you know, and it was that. Wonderful story. He was off with Marine on a cruise, and he he comes back to a hero's welcome. He's got the the big match coat on, and it's a away game at United, and it goes how it goes. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. Kenny's back, and there's a bit of excitement in the in the football, and the team does well for that last half of the season, and then they decide to give it to him for the coming season. And of course, there is a trophy one. People forget that. But there's an awful lot of expense in terms of uh, outlay and perhaps not enough return for that outlay in figures like Andy Carroll and Stuart Downing and Charlie Adam and guys like that. And it came to a bit of a head, Jan. And this is obviously before our time working together. And I just, I, I realize I've never spoken to you about it. But I found that to be one of the most painful times for me as a devoted fan of the club and of Kenny as a guy because he was suffering and every single media interview, do you remember how painful they were? It was so just spiky and he was always ready to just see the worst in what everyone was saying. And he used to be like that back in the day when he was coaching you guys as player manager and into his early managerial days, he was always sort of, 
grumpy and taciturn and standoffish, but there was humor there and he was always ready. There was a smile on the face. But by the end of it, oh, wow, it was, I felt so bad for him. Do you know what I mean? I felt like he mm. felt like he was almost a, he was almost trapped in the role. What, what, what are your recollections of yeah. that? I mean, obviously, if we go back to, to, to the 80s when he became player manager, and I obviously remember the, uh, the scenario with, with, with the media, and it was nowhere near the media coverage you get today. Uh, so what, what he used to have after training was all the newspapers and their representative in the Northwest. And, and these were guys that Liverpool could pretty easy control uh, mm. in, in terms of what they wrote. I mean, some of those old boys and, and these reporters, the ones who are still alive, are, are really old in the book. <coughs> they had... They had the number, the direct line of Peter Robinson. So they used to ring Peter Robinson every single morning. Wow. I mean, what a service that is. Wow. And they would ring up and they'd go, we've heard Liverpool about to sign Jan Mulvey. And Peter would go, I, I, I can't confirm that. But it wouldn't do your career any harm if you wrote, we are very keen, you know. Or he would do the other way. If I have to give you any advice, write that story. You might just end up looking silly. And and they kind of got that stare on every single story. You know, that's some service to have, isn't it? And then obviously Kenny was dealt with everything else. But as you're saying, at that time, we were winning. There wasn't the same media coverage. And as you said, Kenny always had that racial sharp Scottish humour. And he was always in control. He was a step ahead of them, isn't it? So I think the first thing that surprised him when he came back was that you, you don't have that same kind of control over the media anymore, you know, uh, because because if they think that we've got a Daily Mail reporter that is quite close to Kenny, they'll just send somebody else, won't they? They'll send somebody else who's capable of maybe being a bit more critical. And mm-hmm. I think that was the one thing that, that surprised uh, Kenny. And then we know what Kenny's going to do. You know, he's going to take a step back and he's going to go, which is quite unbelievable prepared to do, is then give you nothing give you absolutely nothing. And I'll tell you a story. We're playing Manchester United when Kenny took back over at Anfield and I'm working for Danish TV and I bump into him about an hour and 15 minutes before the game and he goes, oh, who are you working today telling everybody who, how it should be done? Yeah, that was to me. And he's wow. like, oh, who are you working? You know, who are you working for telling everybody how it should be done? So I said, I'm working with Danish TV. I said, but I'm only working with Danish TV. I said, because you haven't given me a job. I said, you've come back and you haven't asked me to start sorted. You know what I mean? I'm not going to criticize the way that you manage business. So I said, that's just the way it is, isn't it? But, but even with us, he was, he was, he was pricky the last time around. And when he was, when he lost his job, we were actually out all the former players. Uh, and Alan Hansen was there. And Alan, was on the phone and we go who, who was that and he goes I've just spoke to the boss uh, he's in America but he thinks he'll be okay uh, and of course by the time he landed he lost his job so Sky Sport brings up so Phil Thompson is there so all the last mobile start to go it's the media ringing they want to comment on getting that he's lost his job wow uh, so Phil Thompson answers the phone to the Sky Sport reports in the Northwest. Uh, I think it might have been Alan Myers at the time and Alan goes I could do with a quote from one or two of the ex-players so Phil goes well that's what happens he said we're all in town having a beer uh, give me one minute so Phil holds 
So he can't hear and he goes, listen, is anyone prepared to do an interview for Sky talking about Kenny losing his job? Uh, and I'll then ask Sky to pay for our lunch. So, <laughs> both of the lads are fucking pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Roy Evans goes, I'll do it. Fucking <laughs> 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 no chance. <laughs> Couldn't even speak, he was that drunk. But to be fair, Phil said to, he said, listen, Alan, he said, you can get two of the lads if we commit to pay £2,000 for Alan's. Uh, he went back two minutes later and he said, no, we won't do it. So we didn't do anything. But yeah, but yeah, I would have loved to see Roy Evans being here that afternoon, you know, full of white wine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're off track again. We're off track. Hey, it's where we're, where we're happiest, Janice. Where we're happiest is off track. I had to write all that stuff down. I had to write all that stuff down. I don't want to miss that when I'm summarizing the show later on. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's get stuck into the games, I guess, um, and, and talk a little bit about that because it is interesting on, on several levels. Uh, last night's was uh, one we'll dwell on a little bit more because it'll be fresh in the minds of everybody. Um, but I guess the main thing we want to do is just talk about, you know, the overall feeling that you're getting from things. And I, I'll be honest, um, for all the joy I have in looking at the table and seeing the results and um, enjoying the victories, it does have a feel to it, Jan, a little bit at the moment, uh, that the games themselves have a little bit of feel where we're not quite, we, we're not as in control as I'd like to be. And, Again, this is where I want to. This is where your memory of being on winning sides will be invaluable here. I think we sometimes romanticize how seasons have gone in the past. And I think an awful lot of title winning campaigns are actually built on results like that one last night against Sheffield United, which was fucking frustrating, fair, with poor final ball, despite all the ball domination. Um, and just lack of penetration and things breaking down and being frustrating and a game that you think you should have put to bed is not put to bed until the very, very last chunk of injury time. And I think there is a question here, just bear with me. I think that that's actually part and parcel of a really successful campaign and that it's easy to think you should be steamrolling teams all the time just because you're better than them but that that probably isn't the reality of a successful campaign. Am I kind of consoling myself there, Jan, or is there something no. to that? Well, I think if you, if you look through Liverpool seasons, and I'm reluctant to go beyond 1984, because, but I joined in 1984 and right up to today, and, and, and if you look at seasons, you have two title winning seasons that are really a standout, and that's 1987-88, and this one when we uh, last time when we won the, when we finally won the Premier League in in terms of they were both steamrolling seasons, you know. Uh, well, the, when we won the title, if you what did we have after? Was it twenty five ga- after twenty five games? Did we have? Did we have seventy one points or something? It was like unbelievable. We'd almost won every game, hadn't we? You know, mm. it was it was it was it was just quite good. So th- those two seasons were steamrolling seasons. But beyond that, you know, and people say to me about, you know, when the the, the lads never play well, and when you you lads never did that. I said, yeah, of course we did. I mean, I'm fortunate enough in that I remember most 
games and stats and goal scores and whatever, but most of the games you wouldn't remember because they were dreadful. You know, you just find a way of winning them. Uh, we will always argue, but yeah, but we play in a way and the pitches were dreadful and whatever, isn't it? But it just happens, Trevor. You know, we always assume that. And people say these lads are better than this. Yeah, they are, but what does that mean? Uh, you know, we we won 2 0 in a game that we were pretty much in control of, isn't it? And I think if you look, the one game that surprised me because was the fourth three against Fulham. I didn't see Fulham being quite capable of that. But then a couple of nights later, we had Luton three, Arsenal four. So, and, and here we're talking about two of the three joint best defences in the in the Premier League. You know, three best defences are Newcastle, Arsenal, and Liverpool, isn't it? So, it it, it does happen. It's, it's part of it, isn't it? It's, it, it is absolutely part of it. Uh, find a way of getting your games won and then producing your big matches for when it matters. And I just have, I don't know about... I don't know about the Manchester United game uh, when they come to Anfield. Uh, we have given a f- fair few slappings in the past. I don't know what kind of game that's going to be, but I, I just think that even the fans will know now won't, that the Arsenal one is a much bigger game, isn't it? You know, uh, because we can do some real damage there. So I just assume that for, certainly for the Arsenal game, we'll beat United, but certainly for the Arsenal game, we'll probably show people how good we are, you know. Whether it's enough, I don't know, but I, I think it's a game that we're definitely going to turn up for and give it everything, you know. So it can't all be, it can't all be glamour. So, but it is just impossible, you know. In, in yeah. a season, there's so many games, isn't it? You know, Luke one one, yeah, okay. I mean, that wasn't great in any anyone's book, was it? But it's part of a season. It can't be any other way. Yeah, I, I mean, sadly, it's all too familiar of a result to those of us who go back to the 80s uh, anyway, in terms of going to that place and it not being fun. Um, but as you say, it did have that very distinct feeling of two points dropped. But then, you know, it's about season management. So we do then follow that up with the defeat against Toulouse and you you start to wonder if there might be, a, if not a wheel coming off, at least one wobbling but then it's just relentless. It's 3-0 against Brentford. The City draw one all. I mean, not a great game. We've discussed it. On a different day, we could win. On a different day, they could win convincingly. Whatever. It's it's, it's in a way-pointed City. But then it's 4-0 against Lask, and it's the 4-3 against Fulham, and we win 2-0 last night. And it just has this sort of lovely relentlessness to it. Now, you could do without the lads dropping like flies in every game in terms of injuries. That would be very, very much uh, something we'd like to avoid. Um, Like last night felt like a double blow because it was the confirmation of the injury to Joel, which basically... I don't think it will finish his career. I, I'd imagine they'll extend his contract in, in, to give him some time to recover, uh, get back in contention, and then probably get his move, maybe this time next year. I don't know how that would work. Um, but to lose Joel for the season, which is effectively what we have, uh, and uh, then to see McAllister going down, um, and on the back of people forget Jot has injured uh, because it's just the Thiago thing, and then we've got Allison, Willie Wonty, there was hopeful sounds about him coming back sooner than expected, but it's all uh, quite a lot to manage. Let's take a look at the games that we've had since you and I last spoke, and on Thursday there was that game in Europe against Lask, which absolutely tied everything up. Uh, We spoke on the Wednesday night. The game was on the Thursday night. And it was 
delightful the way it worked out. It wasn't just about Liverpool winning, it was the result in the other game which meant Liverpool could go top. And now we have that delightful situation, Jan, which we had spoken about, where he can send the kitchen staff into the last game and it doesn't matter. And in fact, I think I'd be very surprised if he doesn't have that exact policy. I'd be very surprised to see anyone who might be involved in a very important fixture um, taking part in that game. And that's a delightful luxury to be to, to have that, to miss out on that silly extra round, to have the, the draw the way it is where we have the second leg of the next one at Anfield. All of those things are fantastic. Yeah, and you're only going to look at when we played Midulan in the Champions League a few years ago, what he's capable of in terms of the team. I mean, have a look at that team. You know, and if you're to play that kind of team. What was those, the we, we played Midulan, yeah, the Danish yeah. team in the Champions yeah. League. Uh, and it was the last game we'd already won the group. And, you know, that was a proper huge team he, he, he put out. I don't uh, remember that lineup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's quite capable of doing that. And I think it'll be a similar thing for when we go to... Uh, we go to Belgium for the last game. Uh, so, yeah, we got everything out of that game. I mean, it was quite an entertaining game. I, I told you on a Wednesday that I, I flew back and I ran into the the the, the, the supporters uh, from from their club. And I, I also spoke to a lot of Danes. And I said, well, look forward to it. A lot of Danes have never been before. I said, look forward to it. He said, one thing you'll see is goals. You know, in the Europa League, you'll always get a few goals. And I thought we played quite well. We could have scored a lot more. I also thought they played quite well in a, in a funny way. And uh, they 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 could never kind of play well enough to, to to trouble us. But I think they played well enough in their own way. I think they would have come away from that and gone, yeah, okay, we lost four 0 but we played okay. Uh, so so I think it was happy all around. They had no expectations, and uh, we did we did as we expected them to do, which was give them a little bit of a hiding. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's very much job done, and on we go. And I think the, one of the best things about it, Jan, and it's not to disparage uh, the competition in any way, shape, or form, but it means we can bloody forget about it now till effectively till March. Um, I think it's the seventh and the fourteenth uh, is is the are the dates of the next fixtures. So it's a it's a nice long run where it can be on the back burner, and we can manage the the domestic competitions in the meantime. And of course, the other game then that uh, we we need to just mention is the Fulham game briefly, because again, that was one of those ones where, you know, in advance of that, you and I have been talking and I, I recall you saying that you just weren't having them as a setup. And um, I think, <laughs> I don't know that they supply a huge amount of uh, evidence to the contrary, uh, uh, to, to, to deny the truth of what you're saying, but we made it difficult for ourselves. We were a little bit sloppy uh, defensively, to say the least. I think each of those goals felt as if they were mistakes um, and that they could have been and should have been avoided, but there was a dig in there. And I think one of the moments potentially of the season where we saw Taki Minamino, or it's Taki Minamino, where we saw, uh, <laughs> I was just looking at him in the Michelin lineup. I wanted to get that team. Um, <laughs> but, but where we saw, where we saw um, uh, our new man Endo put in a crunching tackle, a really good tackle. And then within seconds, he's on the end of uh, the, the, the move, which sees him just curl one deliberately into the top corner. Now, I don't know about you, but I saw a different player against Sheffield United. He was just, I thought he was fantastic in the game last night. And there's no doubt about it. That's the kind of moment that can swing a season for a kid, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the first thing is it can take time. Uh, and there's many different reasons why it can take time. I guess in his, his situation is that he obviously hasn't played as much as he would have liked. I know all footballers feel that way, isn't it? But 
Altså, så Jürgen Klopp har så det sidste tilbage. He has to put the best 11 out there. He has to put out a team that can compete. Uh, and he's going, well, Endo, you're not quite at that level yet. And Endo's walking around thinking, yes, I am. I, I know I can do this. Uh, so it's a very difficult situation to be in, isn't it? Because you can't wait for the ability to be able to show the manager that you can do it, although you very well know you can do it. Uh, so that's a very frustrating bit, isn't it? So we always felt that this boy had something. Uh, it wasn't a player that none of us were aware before he came, but then once we signed him and you start looking at the stats and all, and you go and also let's be honest, I mean, he plays in a very, very strong international team. You know, Japan are excellent. Uh, so I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I think he's starting to show that now. And I think the biggest thing now is that Klopp might even feel, do you know what, this boy's going to be okay which will then have a positive impact on McAllister. We will now be asked to play in a different role, isn't it? So, yeah, there's a lot of pluses. There are, there are a lot of pluses. And we felt last night, I, I think I, I was excited about that, that to be fair to, to Wataruendo, he really stood up. He, he picked up a silly yellow early on in the game uh, last night, but continued to be effective and was really crisp in his passing going forward and uh, his link play and stuff like that. And very much, I thought, did the job, which would have theoretically freed up Sabazlai and McAllister to be the in the positions that they were probably bought to play. But we had the injury to McAllister, which pretty much hobbled him, I think, which is unfortunate. Now, I imagine he will step out for the next one and hopefully be ready for the big game after that. But, you know, the ongoing debate will be now, especially if, if there's a, maybe if there's one more injury, you know, the, the, all the talk will be between now and Christmas will be around recruitment. And um, just to touch on this briefly, because it's the it's one of the subjects that kind of um, very much it gets people a bit giddy. Um, I know from doing transfer shows with Dave Davis on this channel that people listen in their droves to those shows because they're mad for anything at all that have that that has anything to do with rumors and transfers yeah. and potential moves. I feel quite downbeat about the potential for any business getting done because I think Klopp is quite high on this group of players. I think he's very very happy with this group of players. I'm reading his comments. 
I'm thinking, okay, Joel's out, but I think we've already seen Joel Kwanzaa show that he's more than capable of playing. Um, Joe Gomez, if he was playing left back, would probably be fine there as well and has been very good at right back when he's played and centre back this season. So I don't know if there's going to be that urgency if there aren't any injuries between now and Christmas. I wonder, are you hearing anything? Because the rumours are not quite as hectic as they usually are. We, 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 first thing first, you spoke about Endo before on the yellow card. Yeah. I was at Liverpool for 12 years. I got suspended once. That was in my first season. And I think that kind of goes with in Chinese football. Things just happen a little bit quicker. And because it's a physical game, you're not used to playing a physical game. You try and play a physical game and you end up, I ended up with 11 bookings in my first season, uh, which when you look through the rest of my career was just ridiculous. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing, we spoke about transfer the other week and I speak to, I feel the best connected journalist uh, at Anfield and they said there's, there's, there's no real appetite for doing anything in, in, in January. Uh, and I also always feel that, so obviously the Sean Matip thing is it'll be enforced, won't it? And we never do particularly well when it's something enforced. Is it? I mean, last time we, we went out and we took the two, uh, ah, the boy from Ben Davis from Preston and then we took the, the Turkish boy from, from Kabak, Germany. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we didn't come out of that looking particularly well. No. Um, so I, ne- I never feel when it's 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 sort of enforced and 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 we got to do it. Uh, it never works quite well. So I, I I agree with you. I think club is going to go. Yeah, okay. Do you know why? Why I think club is like that? I think because he's now thinking that Virgil is now playing as well as we could have expected. At his age, with his injury, he's playing as well, and he's got a bit of that aura back, hasn't he? And we always said before Virgil's injury and when he was at his best and when he was the best centre half in the world. We almost felt you could put anyone alongside him. And I think club is a bit like, well, you know, the big boy's there. Merton's there. And he'll look after anyone. You know, he loves to look after Joe Gomez and because those two are really close. And he'd love to look after uh, the new, the, the, the young boy, Kwanzaa, as well. So I don't think it's going to be a rush. Uh, today, I had one of my friends going, I've seen somewhere. And this is what you said before, isn't it? Transfer news. People just love transfer news. <laughs> we will be linked with Douglas Louise because we need a number six. And I went, wow. I mean, I said, if we, if we get Douglas Louise, I said, but he's going to cost over 100 million. And, and the fellow went, yeah, but we got it because we bid that for Caicedo. Uh, so, but Aston Villa, of course, is not going to let Douglas Louise go in January. That's for sure, isn't it? But people lap it all up. It's remarkable, isn't it? Uh, mm. And also, somebody said to me, and that was actually on the, on, on the plane, I was coming back this morning, and somebody said, Oh, see, we be linked with a boy at uh, Crystal Palace, Mark Gay, the centre half. Uh, I said, in fairness, I said the other fellow who plays alongside him makes more sense. Joachim Anderson, the Dane, uh, he's much more the profile of, of of the players that we sign. You know, he's the right size, he's good in the air, and all these things. But I'm with you 100%, Trevor. I don't think there's any plans of spending any money in general. No, and 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 it's actually interesting if you were going to get anyone from that highly performing currently highly performing Villa team it'd probably be Kamara his pal there in the middle wouldn't it you know that's a that's a potential superstar of the future if he's not already um I I I I, I will no doubt have to return to the topic but I just wanted to flag it up uh regardless and you mentioned Virgil and I want to just this is this is absolutely I'd love to get your take on this 
<laughs> I don't want to be digging out poor Evan Okoku because he got he got an awful bit of digging out last night on Raw immediately after because he was on co-coms. Uh, but the reason I brought it up is I don't think his opinion was atypical. So last night in the game, there was a moment where the uh, Sheffield United lad is bearing down on goal um, and Virgil's stepping off and stepping off. Uh, and then eventually takes a step to him, gets his interception. And I remember looking at that and just to, to, to reiterate what you're saying, I remember thinking, holy Christ, this lad's right back at the best level. He is just peerless when it comes to those situations. He can actually close down an entire attack by himself. And I just thought the timing of it was so perfect. Ekoku starts into his commentary and he says, uh, you know, this is terrible defending. He keeps stepping off and stepping off. And he's like, you need to go. You need to be proactive and go to the to the defender. And I was like, all right. And I, I thought initially my memories of Akoku are very vague. I didn't see much of him play. And I thought, was he a center half? But I was informed last night, actually, he was a striker. So we'll give him a little bit of leeway for not knowing how to defend. But it seemed like a strange take. The reason I bring it up, Jan, is because just to emphasize what you were saying, it does feel like we've got prime Virgil back. And that moment I thought was just a, I just thought that was a perfect encapsulation of why he's better than everybody else. It, but it also proves that just because you've been a professional footballer and, and Evan Okuku was, was, was a decent enough player, isn't it? That doesn't mean that there's still a level of mainly thinking and managing in terms of managing the situation, managing the game, that that might not have been a part of how they play football. Yeah. You know, a lot of players play off the cuff, don't you? And then you got the thinking man's football, you know, who while his bird is doing that, it's 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 all about so when it, when somebody runs at you, right in that moment they're in control, aren't they? And then you want to slow that down, then you want to make sure that you're in control. So you slow it down and you, you have a look and you make sure the angles are closed and in the and it's just you and him, isn't it? And then it's about isn't and it, it's it's that you know, bang, take it off the business. It's nothing is happening. And whereas most people would go, get in there, you know, what I mean, get stuck in, you know, slide and tackle them, whatever. But that's you know, not everybody plays like that, do they? You know, the thinking man's defender. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I mean, said before, I think he's playing as well as we can expect at this stage of his career. Yeah, it's it feels like it feels like a real bonus to have him at that level at the moment because, like you say, we're going to need him. Whether it's managing Quanta through games or 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 I'm I'm nervous about Kanate. I, I there's he has that feel of having potential world class um, abilities because he does have world class abilities. I say potential because you've got to re- replicate that over a long period of time. I think that's how we assess these things, right? So someone can say, oh, well, you know, there was probably lads who came in and out of the Liverpool squad and they had the potential to be world-class, but they could never do it over a stretch or stint. Or someone like you, you're doing it game in, game out, season after season. You earned that title. Um, Am I a little bit harsh on, on Kanate? I really want him to be the heir apparent to Virgil. But, you know, between a combination of, of a bit of fragility when it comes to injuries and a little bit of the potential to be a bit rash at times, it just has me wondering whether I've elevated that kid a little bit beyond where he might end up. What do you, where's, what's your gut feeling on, on, on Kanate? Well, 
the first thing that has to happen in his career for him to have a chance of becoming world class is that he has to improve his ability to play games. It's as simple as that. He has yeah. to be able to play more games. And all games, those things will improve because that's rhythm, isn't it? You know, you get into rhythm of, of, of things. Uh, so he's, the thing he has to improve is his ability to play games. I believe he's been out on three separate occasions already this season with minor issues. And that, of course, is, is, is in worry. Uh, I, I know what it was like. You know, when you do those seasons, where you're just available for every single game. I mean, Christ almighty. Then football is the best job on the planet, yeah? But when you're always managing little niggly injuries and, you know, there's nothing worse than you've got a little niggle here. Uh, we'll leave you out for this. It's just missing that one game, Trevor. You know, people have no idea of the impact of everything. You know what I mean? It also affects you mentally because I'm missing out today when maybe I could have played. I'm now sitting in the stand. What happens if Joe Gomez plays centre-half and he does well? All them things, isn't it? It's a fucking nightmare. If you're available and you play, you're in control, aren't you? You know, I'm playing. All I have to do is just continue to play well and do my job and I'll be picked for next week. Isn't it? But when you're in and out and it's minor injuries and when you have a lot of minor injuries, then it's also likely that there might be a bigger one somewhere along the line. It's, it, it, it's a nightmare. So the ability to play games is, is his big issue. 100% agree and I hope we get to see that run um, of fixtures uh, sometime very soon where we can actually start to see what this guy is all about. Our opponents at the weekend, uh, next game up, are Crystal Palace in the famous half 12 kickoff. They've got three losses and a draw in their last four. Um, you have to go back five games before they had a win. Um, it's not a good run of form. And yet they are on 16 points beyond safe, if you want to put it that way. And still not that far. Uh, still only 11 points of United. Um, so, you know, they've obviously coughed up a few in the last few games. I get the feeling like I agree with you that things might be about to sour a little bit there with um, the Hodgson era. That could be a thing. Who knows? Um, I wonder, though, because when we looked at this group of fixtures, yeah, and just to briefly touch on this, this was one of the ones that we, we thought, well, this is this bookended a roll of fixtures that we thought were favourable. Um, in inverted commas uh, those favourable fixtures have ended up being hard fought the Sheffield United win last night was hard fought the uh, previous game against uh, Fulham was even more hard fought we had to dig deep for that and it was a beautiful way to win with that um, late Trent winner um, What is it too much to ask Jan that we could have a routine sort of a one or two nil where we dominate most of the game and actually make a few chances because there seems to be a few things which are not quite right Luis Diaz, for many, many reasons that are understandable, doesn't seem to be quite added in terms of killer instinct. Mo is a little bit off his top form. Darwin Nunes is being accused of being profligate because he is missing chances, but then he's involved in all the goals as well, and he has that thing. Cody Gakpo didn't look much of a threat last night, so I'm wondering, are we just in a period where perhaps our striking uh, force is a little bit at, is a, a, one of its more toothless stages? Do you expect the Palace game to be a real challenge? Um, how do you feel it's going to go? Yeah, I think I think Palace generally for Liverpool is, is always a tough game, although I do believe a few years ago that we, that we run up seven down there. Uh, in, 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 in one of the games. Uh, but generally, it's always a tough game uh, because it's one of the few games they have at home where they're allowed to play the way they want to play, which is just get men behind them or sit in 
you know, sit deep and, and try and rely on, on that counter-attack. That worked quite well when they had Wilfred Saha. They don't have him anymore. He's gone to Turkey, isn't it? Uh, uh, but I do like uh, some of the players. I do think they've got some good attacking players in SE and Michael Olisi and whatever, but things are not, just not happening for them. Having said that, they're not a team you normally put away. Not many teams put Palace away. They're always in the games. You know, you you, you very rarely get to a situation where you're winning 3 or 4 nil. Palace will always be in the game. They're a set-piece team. They've got a big awkward striker, and it's Edouard. Uh, so, 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 so they are an awkward team, and I expect it to be an awkward game. I don't believe either that we proved this season that without our best at 12-30. Uh, it also has an impact on the way that, 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 that we play. Uh, but I do, I do believe in the end that we'll beat them. Yeah, you mentioned a few of their um, a few of their 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 better footballers there, and Anderson and Gway we mentioned before they're very good. Mitchell and Ward either side, Richards and Lerma were the two in midfield last night. Nominally with Elise one side, Ayu the other. Schlup was behind Edward, and yeah, from the bench they can do a little bit of damage. They've that um, French, uh, French kid Mateta. They've got Nathaniel Klein actually came off the bench last night um, against. Um, uh, uh, Bournemouth wasn't it in the game that they were beaten um, uh, they also have uh, Will Hughes one of those names floating around from the past but again apart from Reedeval then most of the rest of the bench won't be names that people are that familiar with there should be an opportunity in other words for us um, to get our business done with a little bit to spare Let's finish, as we always do, by getting your prediction for how you think it's going to go. I know you reckon it'll go in our favour. It's a question of how. Yeah, I just, I just got a feeling it's, it's, it's got every chance of being a little bit of a scrappy affair. Um, you've always got a bigger chance of a game being a scrappy if one of the teams are really keen on, on the game being scrappy. And I think Pals will be really keen on the game being scrappy, denying us the ability to get into our rhythm, isn't it? Uh, so I think it'll be a hard fall victory, but I can see a similar result as to what we had at Sheffield United and I was winning 2-0. Well, I would very much personally be delighted with that. Um, it would, like I say, bookend this run of fixtures. We said we have to do well in, and it's great to see the team actually getting these things over the line, regardless of how uncomfortable we are during the games. Listen, it's coming up to the top of the hour. I want to let you off on time. Um, we really did get through an awful lot without half of our usual analysis of the games to come up because there was so much to talk about. I really appreciate it, as ever, my friend. No, no problems, Trevor. Enjoy it as always. And uh, I just hope there's a, a reason for the Liverpool supporters to continue to enjoy the season. Yeah, well, it makes our job a lot easier. We can smile our way through these shows uh, as opposed to the furrowed brows of last season. So let's hope that continues. That was Jan Mulby, the Liverpool legend, who you get to hear every week on this channel. Why, if you are not listening, uh, or if you know someone who's not listening, Why? Get them on this. It's a good show and you get to hear this man talking sense about football. That's a rarity, folks. That's a rarity and we're lucky to have him. I have been Trev Denny. That was Jan Malby. This is Malby on the spot and we'll be back next week to talk about the games that are coming up and the games that have just been played. Mind yourself. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now 
at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.